I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I am very excited today to have the wonderful Bryant Wood on the program. He is one of the three beautiful people who started Modern Nirvana. We're going to be talking about that and much more. Bryant, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's so nice to have you on. So I found this article, 10 Things You Didn't Know About Bryant Wood. Did you see this on TVOverMind.com? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so one of the things, I'm just curious, because I'd love to get to know, know you a little bit before we jump into your wonderful modern nirvana and for other people. But tell me if this is real or not. I was curious. You left home at 15. I did. It says, quote, I moved out when I was 15 in search of people like me. Mm. Wow, is, is that what I said? That's pretty deep. Or not? Did I find her? Is that Lisa? Are you like me? Yeah. Um, yes, definitely. So so tell us about that. I mean, that's young to leave home. Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm. I would have to like refer back to my mom on this one. She's like, as soon as you came out of the womb, it's like you didn't need anything. Wow. And it wasn't, I mean, there was some obviously some turmoil at home. And I think where my nervous system was at, little things felt really big to me. And I was very dramatic and theatrical. My emotions were a lot as a kid, um, very passionate and a protector, you know. And I, I couldn't understand why, like, how the dynamics were the way that they were, you know. And I think one part of it was it kind of when my parents got divorced and the way that that happened, it ruined my perspective on love because I'm like, they love each other so much. Like, what the heck, you know. And um, I took that on quite a bit. And then I just, I didn't really understand rules. They just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, so it's like a compounding of like these really deep emotional triggers and yet not being able to relate to the confines of the space that I was in. And I told my dad, we did an ayahuasca ceremony together. I took him with me to Costa Rica about two years ago. And the first thing that we processed was the fact that I left at 15. He's like, what did I do? Like he started crying before the medicine. We even did the medicine. It was the first 30 minutes. He just started crying with me. Oh, wow. Cutest, most powerful moment ever. And I was like, dad, I was like, I would have, you know, I would have died if I stayed there. Like the, the choices I was making, the person I had become, you know, how I was living my life, my lifestyle in general, I wouldn't have been the person I am today if I stayed in that town doing those things. And he's like, oh, Okay. So it's, it's, it's hard to explain why it left at 15, but I just knew I had to get out of there and it, you know, it opened up a whole new world to me after that. Thanks for asking. I don't really talk about this. Sure. You know, I'm wondering, were you, would you consider yourself, yourself an empath? Because those qualities that you mentioned are of an empath or also what they call an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person feeling things very, very deeply and on a, on a different type of level. Yeah. I'm definitely that now. Um, you know, a, a, there is an, you know, energetic awakening per se in me and happy to dive into that, but that sure. created a whole different um, operating system of how I sense and perceive reality. And it almost it gave voice to what I was feeling as a kid, but had no words for, but now it's more felt based than it was in my mind. Like, as a kid, I felt more of a intense, like almost like terror, terror when things would happen, you know? And I, I think with all the right. past life stuff too, I mean, I've dove into my ancestry, um, my grandmother, while she was in the womb, uh, uh, her, her mom lost a child. So that kind of like deep sorrow, I 
felt, I felt it pass through the ancestry line to me. And then I was like, oh, so I'm clearing it in this ancestry line. So there's just, I think so many things when you work in the realm of spirit that can come up. And as a kid, you have no idea how to navigate any sort of ancestral trauma or divorce. Um, your window of tolerance is t- totally small, you know, if, if it gets created in that way. Um, so I would say empathy for sure. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, I was so strong. My mental state was like incredibly strong. Anything I put my mind to, I could do. I was so fearless. So it didn't make sense mentally. There was a disconnect between my emotional body, my, I would say my expressive emotional body. We kind of can have two different types of emotional body and my, the strength of a masculine, I was a division one wrestler full ride. So imagine how tough I had to be to get there, but I was just like taking in so deeply, you know? So it was like this interesting thing where you couldn't feel because it wasn't allowed. And yet I was feeling so much. Oh, that is so interesting. Where did you go when you left home? I went to Arizona. Yeah. Oh. uh, Just by yourself? Did you know anybody there? Yeah, I had an uncle out there. He was a very cool man, but he, uh, rest in peace, he just passed away uh, a year and a half ago. Um, He's cool. He's always like, hey, uh, if someone can do it, you can do it, and someone's got to do it, so why not you? And I was like, oh, it makes sense, you know? So he just gave me the belief to do anything. And then after that, I lived with my... my, uh, uh, a, a, a college, uh, excuse me, a, a football player in my high school. And then we just had so much fun, you know. This is, oh, I bet. This is good. Oh, that's awesome. Right, this article also says you're an entrepreneur, which is true. We're going to get into modern Nirvana soon. You're an actor. You like to travel. You're a college athlete. You're a triplet. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you were there with your brothers. Mm-hmm. Did they stay and you left? And how did that affect your relationship? Yeah, I stayed and they stayed and I left. And as kids, we were very close. As we got older, we kind of went different directions. Um, they had different, completely different set of hobbies than me. And I was all sports oriented and, and, and doing as many different things as I could. And they got into video games really early on and like were quite obsessive with it. And I was like freaking out inside as a kid. I'm like, yo. I feel like you guys are wasting your entire lives playing these video games. I was like, you're not getting any sort of nourishment. So there's all of a sudden a huge disconnect between my brothers and I. But the cool thing is, as soon as I left at 15, it gave them space to become who they really wanted to be. So the video game slowly dissolved out. They started playing sports again, working out. They put on like 20 pounds of muscle, which was awesome. So just, it was really divine to see like how much they became in their own when they were able to actually get space from me because I was like protector leader of the little tribe that we had of us three, you know? And then when I was able to let them breathe, they totally flourished. And like, they're two of the most amazing people on the planet today. And that quality of relationship, you can't even quantify because of the depth of the feeling that you have just by looking at your brother, you know, it it teaches you a deeper understanding of love. Um, so yeah, thank you for asking. It's been interesting being a triplet. We're about 0.1% of the world. There's a whole thing on um, uh, why each triplet turns out differently, you know, even though we were put up in the same family line in a way, given the same thing. And I could speak from direct experience that we were treated very equally. My mom would specifically count the potato chips. So nobody felt like the other one was more favorited than the other. She was so specific. Um, <laughs> that being said, they were identical. I was fraternal. So there was, they looked alike as well. So there was already something there, I would say, um, because I was, even as a kid, you know, I'm, I'm, I look a little different than the other two. They're like, oh, look at how different he is than them too. So like the, the collective conditioning of the world just kind of put us into these two boxes together. It was like, 
almost the twins and almost almost me. Now none of that stuff happens anymore. Everybody kind of looks totally different and is doing their own thing. But as as we were younger, it was it was very much a little bit of separate energy. Yeah, I bet. Uh, you are on America's Next Top Model. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. You want to talk about it? Yeah, yes, please. That must have been quite an experience. Yeah, I want to do a TED Talk on this because I think it's a very unique human oh. experience. And I think it's a testament to breathwork and meditation and even modern nirvana as well, what we decided to create for the world. And I think it was 2014. I'm not sure. It was season 22 of America's Next Top Model. I was... I left my college scholarship to go pursue my modeling career <laughs> with one semester left. Um, and when I got on there, I was like, I was working really hard. You know, I was, you know, I was kind of in the, in the uh, crux of my, of my physical appearance and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, I think a hundreds, like thousands and thousands of people apply for the show. I get on and I like, I pour my heart into it. I'm so passionate about it. I'm the first one out. Yeah. So, which was, which oh, was, wow. which was great, which was great. But the way that I took it was super, um, super intense. Like I thought this was my passion. I thought of it was course. my life. I wanted to be the first short male model, you know, which I was kind of on the first short season of America's Next Top Model ever. So I've manifested this like ridiculous, you know what I mean? Situation so I could get on and yeah. pursue this dream. And as soon as I got out, there was no um, aftercare this for this reality show. It was like you got dropped and you get put in a place and then you're out and you're gone. You're back into the world. And psychologically, especially modeling, that can be really um, impactful on someone's nervous system. And it can be a memory of not enoughness or um, it could really weigh on you. And I had I had created kind of this story around um, my appearance and my my and my worthiness based off of this show. And you could see it via this interview where they dropped me and I started crying. I was like, I guess I'll find something else to do. You know, it's like, it's so sad. Like I could watch it and I still cringe because that emotion's still in my body, not fully processed. But that being said, four years later, five years later, whatever it is, six years later, after so much breathwork meditation, you know, multiple existential crises and a lot of fun and joy being built in the body, I get on another reality show called The Circle. You heard of it? Yes. Okay, cool. I haven't seen it though. I'll be honest. I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. It's another big one. It's another big one. So I get on season two of that. And I'm, and again, my, somebody calls me, they're like, Hey, come on the show. I'm like, okay, cool. I do one interview. I'm all of a sudden filming in the UK. I don't even know how I got there. I was like, this is wild. It literally manifested out of thin air. I was like, okay, I got to set an intention. I'm like, okay, what's my intention? All right. Share about breath work, spread a lot of love. And I was like, whatever happens, happens. I'm totally cool with, you know, whatever the situation is. So there's another interview in the UK. And then whoever, if you get do good on that, you get to be the first one on the show. So I did good on that interview. They put us in the top 14 in the house on the show. And it's a case study to see who can become the most popular via this kind of like artificial intelligence, social media game where everyone's kind of playing different characters and, and like befriending people, manipulating other people to become the most popular to win $100,000. So three days go by. I get the first out on that as well. Okay. So I was like, I sat there in the moment, the moment I saw that I was out, I was like, I took a breath and I I was like, this is the most amazing situation of my entire life. That how funny this is. I was like, I was smiling so hard on the inside. I was like, I can't believe this happened again. I was like, what are the odds? I get out twice on these shows. Like, what the heck? 
was like, this is and I just like, I was like, okay. And I put my glasses on and I sat there. And, I just, and my main thing is instead of going into fear and contracting, I was like, I'm going to reprogram my subconscious in this moment. I sat on the couch and I expanded as big as I possibly could. Opened my arms, opened my legs, and I breathed super deeply. And I was like, I'm so grateful to be here experiencing this. And I took back my fucking power from those reality shows that limited me in the past. So it was like this full circle, like weird shamanic thing where I had a, a chance to face kind of that situation that was subconsciously probably creating some chaos. It must have brought up what happened, obviously, on America's Next Top Model. And, and when they dropped you off and you were crying and now you're like, I'm spreading out, I'm breathing, yeah. I'm in this moment. Like what? That's so much growth. That must have felt really good. Yeah, it was a testament to the how much I've transformed in my life, you know. So I was just beyond grateful for that because you don't have a lot of um, um, things to be able to, you know, compare it to in life you know but that was like a really obvious comparison of how i handled that in the past and how i handled in that moment now right and in between were you acting because i went to your idbm or imdb i should say page and you've done a lot of things Mm -hmm. yeah i I, so i pursued acting for three years and i think i have like 20 plus imdb credits i i when i get obsessed with something i just go into it you know right Um, fall in love with it and study it really deeply um what is it about acting that you really do you, I should say love or loved? I still love it. I still always feel like I'm I'm like playing kind of a, a character, you know. It's very malleable, the experience, the human experience. And I, so after modeling, I was like, I'm going to be an actor, you know. I was like, I'll be an actor, yay. And I went for it. I didn't take no for an answer. I, I studied with like the top actors, you know, acting coaches. And I read I, I, everything. I, when I get into something new, I buy every single book on the topic. And then I read every single book. That's my thing. Like I'm going to do anything. I'm just going to buy every single book on Amazon, read every single one, take the classes and then, and then start figuring out how to get there. Um, and acting was a very healing moment for me because it merged the masculine and the feminine energy within me because the first, you know, 22 years of my life was just fully, you know, a primitive like killer energy almost for wrestling but so deeply sensitive but no uh no container to express it right and no container to heal either up into that point modeling made me feel beautiful and kind of stepped me into my feminine energy but that still wasn't being expressed i was being told what to do it was all visual it was very surface level expression but it allowed me to also be a little bit more more uh um into that side of, of, of a lifestyle, I guess, how to, how to explain it. It's when someone tells you you're beautiful, it opens up something in you, you know, and then you, we, you, you realize it's, oh, it's not physical beauty. It's internal beauty you want. So I kind of like accomplish that layer of the Maslow hierarchy of needs. It's like, we find, figure out how to be beautiful, find that, realize <laughs> it's not that, you know, go inside, right. you know? So there's like this interesting flow of energy. And when I went into acting, the first thing you begin to realize, I'm like, oh, you're playing, you know, you're playing, it's how easy it is to shift your identity, how easy it is to uh, believe something, how easy it is to create an, an experience with your imagination. And these are a lot of the tools that I uh, have trickled over into my healing work now, because imagination, your ability to perceive a better and more beautiful world is a huge precursor to your ability to heal and change your vibration. So acting opened up so much. Um, it was such a fun outlet. Outlet. It was where I felt my most present consistently. So when I was on set, I was fully present because I there was some sort of like uh, performative aspect that I really enjoyed too. You know, I really recommend acting for everybody. 
you know, totally. Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel like that when I'm doing my show. I'm like most present, most engaged. I love it. Uh, Number eight is he is dedicated to helping others. Well, that's truly true. And we're going to get into that with Modern Nirvana. You have a huge social media following. I'm not surprised. And you spend a lot of time outdoors. I do spend a lot of time outdoors. Me too. Mm. Nature is the best. So good. Are you in LA, by the way? I'm in Marina Del Rey. So I have like a a pocket of of silence. So nice. Yeah. The beach is pretty good energetically. It has, you know, the, the just the ocean having the like water wash over you emotionally, which helps purify a lot. Um, so I'm very grateful for the beach. All right, let's talk about modern Nirvana. First of all, before you tell us what it is, when when did you create it, and how did you come together with those two other lovely people? Isn't the woman next to you an actress as well? Yeah, yeah, Kat. She's a very very incredible actress. She's also a I recognize her UN Goodwill Ambassador. She does a lot of oh, wow. amazing mission trips and it's powerful manifesto. Oh, that's great. Well, how did you three come together? So Frank and Kat have been best friends, I think, for fourteen years or something. They've been friends for a very long time since their early twenties. And then Frank and I were neighbors and we had a powerful breathwork session on top of a mountain in Runyon Canyon. And you're, if you're in LA, you kind of know that area. And then we went down to next health, which is a biohacking lab and cryotherapy and IVs and stuff. And then we did some rape, some shamanic tobacco. And then we canceled everything that we had going on for the rest of the day and went straight to Disneyland. So that was our first time ever meeting was this like iconic, like just experience stacking, you know, and then we became really close friends after that, almost uh, not separable. And that following, I think six months after that, we sat on the the sofa and he needed a B-roll for Deepak Chopra's podcast he was going to do of him teaching. So we created this very small conference that turned into a very large conference very quickly. And then that turned into a company and he brought Kat on from there. Oh, that's so cool. So I was reading about it and it says the goal of modern Nirvana is to be a catalyst for transformation in people's lives. You inspire them to take control of their spiritual and physical well-being by sharing both ancient practices and modern biohacks. So talk to us about some of the ancient practices and then we'll jump into some of the biohacks, modern biohacks. Yeah, totally. I mean, we are an interesting company because a lot of the foundation of our company was built upon the Hindu traditions. And let's say like the Maharaji line. So our first um, conference was with Deepak Chopra, who is absolutely incredible, holds so much ancient Vedic knowledge, but also has so much science backed understanding of the human experience. Really recommend listening to him talk. And then this year we're offering honoring Sadhguru. And I think Sadhguru is giving a talk and then also Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. So these these are lineages that go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And we're always giving a voice to uh, the ancient texts, the people that are the wisdom holders. And then we're constantly searching across cultures to see what is the best and safest practices that we can bring into the world to transform the planet. And on top of that, we go into the energetics and the technologies and the science of um, the biohacks, which is, you know, the technology nowadays is just absolutely incredible what it can do for neuroplasticity, nervous system health, um, sleep, energy, you know, you name it. So we're kind of mixing from a very spiritual place, mixing all these technologies in to create a container where people can find what works for them. Now are some of these things uh, breath work, clearly? Yeah, I teach breath work every day. I mean, it's, my, it's just a lifestyle. Yeah. I have a school. I have a uh, teach around the world. Yeah. 
it's good breath work. I really recommend for every single person on the planet. There's a small portion that can get re-traumatized by it, but even that you'll learn something, but just do it in a very safe way. So people who might be like, well, I've heard the term breath work, but I don't really know what that means. If you can break it down and then give us some examples too, or take, take us through some breathing. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> if you'd yeah. like. I would, uh, so yeah, let's take we can do some breathing. So breath work. Hmm. I always explain it different every single time because as you continue to breathe, the layers keep getting peeled back. And the most recent way I explain breath work is creating uh, the capability to feel safe with breathing with people, creating the potential to feel safe being breathed by the universe, right? Very subtle what I'm trying to explain here. But when you can be around anybody in the world or anything or any situation and feel safe and loving and peaceful while you breathe, then you've mastered this dimension in, in some retrospective way same thing when you are they say you're being breathed kind of by this universe where you're just changing the air pressure of your body to let air enter and exit you as if spirits entering you and spirits exiting you and when you're safe being breathed you know this is also a very masterful place to be you go just into the energy you connect to the quantum field so breathwork is a tool that every single person has that is absolutely free that can help regulate the unconscious processes in your body. And there's not a lot of many things that can do that. So what state of fight or flight you're in, rest or digest, eye dilation, blood pressure, heart rate, you know, all these different forms of arousal state can be all can all be cued up by your breath. You can also learn how to master your emotional body. Your emotions are correlated to the, your breathing pattern, right? The way that you feel affects your breathing. The way that you breathe affects your feeling. It's pretty profound stuff. And the key to healing and releasing a lot of this post-traumatic stress that we're all carrying at some level is being able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, relax your entire body with your awareness, and let go of those visceral reactions that we haven't fully felt yet. And drop into that spiritual sustenance of deep safety and slowing down. And breathwork is a tool to be able to go into those almost spiritual states. And, you know, when I think of breath work, I think of like, you know, four, seven, eight breathing or alternate, alternate nostril breathing, or is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Like different practices? Yeah. I teach like 50 different styles of breath work. Um, I teach you the principles of why breath work works and why it does what it does and how to stack breath works. If you decide to do something like that, the bigger, the powerful breaths, the big releases are super important for purifying. And, and releasing and, and letting go almost as if you're like power washing a car, you know, and then the subtler breaths where you're sitting in complete stillness, building peace in your body, slowing everything down. You know, that's like the sun drying off the car. You're just like, Oh, Ooh, I love that analogy. That's where their mastery is. That is like the subtleties of that. Do you have a particular breath work that you like to start with people who are new to this? Mm-hmm. Coherent breathing is the most beneficial practice that anybody could do at any moment for the rest of their life. I really love that. What is it? <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a balanced breath and they've studied children and uh, monks that have been meditating for 20 plus years. And naturally they're accessing kind of these higher gamma brain waves. These monks were, and they're reaching these spiritual states of, of so much awareness and energy in their brain and their heart that they that they, when they measured their breathing pattern in these states, they had this coherent breath going on. Every single monk was doing it, right? 
which was cool, difficult to find out. And it's a, it's a five seconds in, five seconds out. You're breathing from your belly into your rib cage, into the top of your thoracic cavity, and then all the way out. Mm, I like that. Yeah, it's just slow five in, five out. And again, if you think of ba- balance in general in life, why wouldn't balance be a balanced breath in and a balanced breath out at the same rate? Yeah, that's true. Right? It's like the closest thing that we can control to that. And do you, is that something that you, I would think you'd want to have a practice daily of several minutes or as much as you can do? Like, Yeah. So think of this as what of, this is how you were breathing as a kid, a little bit less, about four seconds and four seconds out. Then the world hits you and it suppressed your breathing pattern and it seeds in you that causes now chaos in your life, anxiety, depression, all these things. So you're healing the deep rooted seeds that have been affecting you in this lifetime and the conditioning of your body. And you're going back to the first breath of life to then be able to feel safe in the environment. So you really want this breathing pattern to be an unconscious process in your body that runs on autopilot without you thinking about it. Got it. So the best way to practice that is looking at a clock and watching the little hand go five seconds, you're inhaling, watch it go another five seconds, you're exhaling, and you're sitting there watching, focusing your awareness on the clock, breathing to the depth and to the expansive nature that I spoke about earlier, and then falling, letting the breath fall out and relaxing and releasing tension. And you can do that for about 10 minutes a day. Every single day for the rest of your life, you're going to be golden. You know, that's a you can devote your life to that practice and get so much out of it. But anytime in any environment, when you're feeling your emotions react to stimuli, go back to that breathing pattern and shift and shift your emotions. It's a balanced breath. What are some other breath that you, breath work that you like to do? Some of I mentioned the four, seven, eight. Yeah, uh, there's a reason why you inhale for four. There's a reason why you hold for seven. There's a reason why you exhale for eight. There's a reason why we're doing each thing that we're doing when it comes to the breath. And, and there's a, something that... that it affects your body differently, right? So I think that's the most important to know. Uh-huh. When you inhale for four seconds, it's activating your sympathetic, okay? And it's four seconds isn't that long, so you're not you're not acting you're evading yourself so much. When you're holding the breath, you're adding tension on your nervous system. So when you go into the world and something bad happens to you, you have more resilience by holding your breath consciously. And then when you exhale for eight, you're slowing down everything. You're grounding the body again. You're telling yourself that you're safe. So then you can go back into that stimulus again after that. So, oh, okay. yeah, it's a really powerful breath. And there's there's so many different styles of breath for different things. Um, I think the main thing is to understand sympathetic breathing, parasympathetic breathing, and then also that coherent breathing. And when you sort out the information for all those three, you can understand what's happening when you're doing the breathing pattern. Right. You mentioned neuroplasticity, which is something we've talked about a lot here on Health Power. And I just think it's so fascinating. What are some ways that you use? Is it the breath? Is it meditation to to help, you know, basically rewire our brain? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I mean, a big part of it is learning how to slow down your brain waves. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is through breath work. You know, okay. yeah. One breath, you can just totally access a whole different quality of brain waves. And when you slow down those brain waves or like kind of the gate to the subconscious, anytime you're doing like a double induction technique when you're putting multiple stimulus into each year and you're allowing, you're paying attention to one, but the other one is seeping into your subconscious, you have a better chance at reprogramming your thought patterns throughout the day. That being said, my the most effective form of of reprogramming is going deep into your own energy at the core. 
right? The most effective form of reprogramming is with breathwork, emptying yourself completely of the emotions, of the thoughts, of the fears, releasing the tension in your body. And because we're these vessels, and when you empty yourself of kind of the the surface level conditioning, the surface level karma, and you're letting it go, you're letting it go, you're, you're letting it process through you. When you empty yourself, what naturally arises is joy, love, peace, prosperity. You know, it's what, it's what is our innate nature of being. So when you're constantly purifying and letting go and you're getting to that core of your unique energy, you're going to feel so much better. And then if you feel better energetically, the quality of your thoughts, your decisions, your manifestations, and most importantly, your perception of the world is going to be upregulated for sure. Now, I read that you also are an NLP practitioner. Yeah. Tell us about that. I haven't talked about that in way too long. Mm. Uh, neuro-linguistic programming. You're, you're getting to talk about something that I haven't talked about in a while. This is nice. Oh, cool. Um, so NLP, yeah, how to use language to program your neurons, right? Great. They have some really fascinating tools. Um, I, di- I did really enjoy it, and I really enjoyed my... Uh, teacher shiny who, who certified me um, she was really cool she always had people dance and sing and like elevated their state before we went into the work because that's what the state that we were in is what would consolidate the information so she was really always keeping everybody's state high you know um, and I think the best benefits that I got out of NLP I mean there's so many different graphs if you research NLP graphs where you're like okay here's some mind maps to understand best understand reality and also your client so I, I recommend anyone that's in NLP just to look some of those up and kind of understand the um some of that information first and foremost um but one of the most effective moments in that class was the graph of of where the words world is at right now and taking responsibility for things and I might mess up on the percentages, but I think it was like 96% are in victim mentality. That's 96% of the world is still stuck in victimhood, not understanding their innate power. Then I think it was 3% was I'm taking responsibility for my life. So they feel like they have responsibility for the things that happen to them. I think it was like 1% was, you know, obviously the percentages is getting a little off here, but 1% was... I'm in flow. I'm in flow with the universe. Everything happens for me. Everything happens with me. And then the last one is I co-create my universe or I co-create my world. And I was like 0.06% of the world or something like that. And I was like, I believe so deeply that I have a role in co-creating my experience on the planet. And you're telling me that 96% of the earth are still in victimhood of their circumstances. I could, there's a lot of people that I can support. <laughs> this is great. You know what I mean? Oh, and then yeah. also, it helped me remind when I'm in victimhood, because you're oscillating between the four. You're not always co-creation, you know? Right. When I'm in victimhood, I, it helped me better understand the importance of being in the co-creation energy because I have a job to inspire others to be there as well if, I, if I've been there myself. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So with Modern Nirvana, I know you guys have a summit that's coming up. You can tell us about that. Yeah, so this is the Modern Nirvana Summit. It's September 23rd, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We have some amazing speakers. Sadhguru, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar are doing a virtual talk. We have Dave Asprey coming in to do our keynote, who's I the father of biohacking. He's oh, hilarious. Yes. We He's have 20 great. to 25 different exhibitors, all different technologies and supplements and uh, things to optimize your health. And then we'll be uh, giving an Oracle deck that we created to everyone that purchased a ticket, which is exciting. And um, 
one of the coolest parts is my family's going to be there. So you get to meet them. That's great. You know, it's funny with Dave Asprey. I remember the first time I interviewed him and he told me he was a fan of mine. I almost passed out. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, Lee Silas. I was like, oh, my God, because, you know, I'm like fangirling out over him. And he was like, hey. So that was nice. Yeah, Dave's crazy. Matter of fact, um, I have a book and it interviews like 50 different health experts. And he's one of he's one of the people in it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have I have a lot of affection for Dave. I mean, what an incredible thing he's done with the hacking. Mm -hmm. So this is a one-day event. Tell us about the deck that you mentioned. I was looking at this, a modern Nirvana Oracle deck. What is that? Yeah, thank you for asking. Sure. I really, this this thing manifested out of thin air. It was the coolest situation ever. Um, when I was 22, I had a dream. I was like, I would love to do an Oracle deck. It'd be the coolest thing ever. And then I just didn't even think about it again. And then, mind you, you know, six years later, with two of my best friends and Jennifer Sodini, we partnered up and created the Modern Nirvana Oracle deck. And it's a guidebook for the moment. So everyone has such deep wisdom and different expertise. And we combined our knowledge to just be a, a steward to people's evolution if they sincerely ask for that support and help. You know, And it also brings the power back in the people's hands as well. But we wanted to just create kind of this almost like new age Oracle that pulls from so many different... Um, areas of the world to then best support people in, in their questioning and what they're going through throughout the day. Um, Frank and I just did our first reading for it at the biohacking conference where we were speaking at. We pulled up a little booth and we had the books out and like we had a huge line and we were doing the Oracle readings. That's and awesome. it was it was cool to see the depth of connection that it created between us and that people. And then most importantly, those people and themselves when they're able to have assistance on their journey. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Oracle deck. So when when there's things going on and 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 there's politicians doing things that have no humanity and don't treat people like people, and I get really overwhelmed. And and I know breathing helps me to like focus and try to feel better. Yeah. But I'm just curious if 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 that's helped you. I mean, you seem super calm and centered, which is so awesome. And I'm wondering when you hear things or you see what's going on, if it helps mm -hmm. you have more. I guess, inner strength, or if it helps you, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know my question. It's no, I get, just, I get I totally overwhelmed, get you know what I mean? I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, some of the, my most defining moments in my life were was when I gave in to the, the pain of the human experience and decided to do something to change it. I oh, could, wow. I could chalk up a lot of the biggest moments in my life to that. So oh, I don't think beautiful. peaceful and balanced is always the right way to go. I think, I think, uh, sacred rage for the highest good is key in the transformation of everyone's lives. Oh, sacred rage. I love that. <laughs> I am so full of that. <laughs> yeah, you are, girl. Get it. I, I want to make the world better. And so I think if we can all just breathe and find humanity in ourselves and in other people, I think it's huge. At any rate, you're fabulous. Tell us all the ways we can find you and, and all your good work. Awesome. Um, Ecar Wood on Instagram. Um, that's primary yet. If you message me, say that you got me from Lisa's podcast, I'll follow you back. I love cool. doing that. And that's I-K-A-R, right? Hmm. Now, should I have called you that? Because I was realizing, oh, shoot, he. I know he uses I-Car, but I wasn't sure because I introduced you as Bryant. Totally. I go by Bryant. E-Car is kind of my stage name. It's, it brings oh, out okay. a priority. How did, how did you get that name? Does that have a, I'm guessing that means something? Yeah, it was through an Egyptian head shaving ritual that I did with some people. And... After I shaved my head, because we hold karma in our hair, so I wanted to like fully step into kind of a new 
your identity. And um, we also hold our power in our hair too. So it's, it's twofold. So you cut it, you lose your psychic senses, but you're able to also start off fresh. So it's important to know both sides of that. But um, when I shaved it, the ancestors were like, okay, your new name is Ikar. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And then uh, I changed it on Instagram pretty quickly after. And then I did a bunch of interviews for the circle on all these. So it kind of stuck around for a second. I'm going to check it. I'm going to check that out. And I uh, think I saw, I don't know if I saw that when you said the thing about the, the, the season with the shorter models, what's that five ten yeah, and under? Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like I saw that, but I don't remember. It's been, that's been a long time, right? Go to season two of the circle and go to the third episode and watch the beginning of it and see my okay. exit speech. Check them out. Oh yeah. I'd like to see that for sure. You know, I do, you have gorgeous hair. So was it difficult to shave it off? I mean, was it, Oh, I've had a relationship with my hair for a while. I mean, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I actually, uh, yeah, I keep on messing with it, but thank you. Yeah. It needs to be calm. I'm obsessed with hair. So I oh, get yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give it. But um, anyways, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.